Healthcare leadership is hard work, but what if you could learn from the most brilliant and influential minds in healthcare and beyond? What would you ask them? Would you ask about politics, policy, or maybe leadership? On The Gary Bisbee Show, I'll do just that. You'll hear from healthcare's most successful leaders and those experts who they listen to as together, we'll explore how the health economy is transforming. Brad Stone is an accomplished author and reporter on global technology companies. His new book, Amazon Unbound, is a tour de force on the transformation of Amazon and its founder and leader, Jeff Bezos. Brad began to write Amazon Unbound three years ago, and he thought he was writing about the transformation of a company. It turned out he was writing about the transformation of a person. We covered substantial ground in this conversation. First, for our healthcare audience, Brad spoke about the grand challenge, the term for Amazon's pursuit of healthcare and what Brad describes is an area of major expansion. Regarding lessons for leaders, Brad discussed the fact that Bezos was inspirational, but could also instill fear. He was willing to disrupt the company in pursuit of a new idea or invention, such as Alexa. Those of us in healthcare are struggling with becoming more consumer-centric. Brad built the case for Bezos being solely committed to the consumer and being willing to pursue new ideas and disrupt the company to provide better services for the consumer. When I asked Brad the question, was Bezos of more value to Amazon as an operator or an inventor, he provided a creative rationale that all leaders should think about. Brad debated how Bezos compared to other big tech founder CEOs, such as Steve Jobs and Bill Gates. Let's join the conversation with Brad Stone. Well, good morning, Brad, and welcome. Hi, Gary, thanks for having me. We're pleased to have you at this microphone. We'd love to chat with you about Amazon Unbound, which is published just a couple of days ago. So congratulations. What an effort. Thank you, Gary. It was a long journey. I actually worked on it for three years. And then I wrote the book from this room, which is actually a garage during the pandemic. Well, all 450 pages of it. I did want to ask, when do you write? Do you have any particular time of day or night? Yeah, my brain is the most fertile in the morning. And so I would get down here in this cavern at around 7 or 7.30, do a couple hours, and then do more reporting or outlining in the afternoon. As global executive editor for technology at Bloomberg News, I was wondering, what's the day job, writing the book or the executive editor job? <laughs> That's another reason why the early morning hours were key, because the day is distractions galore and a lot of meetings. In a weird way, the pandemic maybe made it a little easier. I wasn't trying to sneak off for bits of time here and there. But Bloomberg, we cover the big tech companies, the entrepreneurs, the startups all around the world, including in Asia, which makes the night times kind of busy. So I was lucky that in a perverse way that I didn't have the fear of missing out during the pandemic. I was sort of able to, to focus. Well, I know you're an English major from Columbia. Were you always interested in writing? I think I got the bug in college, going to creative writing workshops. I also worked at the Columbia radio station, WKCR, covering the news. And I just got the news bug, went to the once proud magazine known as Newsweek for many years and came out to Silicon Valley. 
a stop at the New York Times covering Amazon and other big tech companies, and then Bloomberg, which has just been a fantastic home for in-depth journalism. Well, let's look at Amazon Unbound. I guess really want to start back in 2013 when you published the Everything Store. Why did you choose to write about Amazon and Bezos at that point versus any other big tech company and founder? It was actually just opportunistic, Gary. I wanted to write a book and it seemed to me that there had been Apple books and Microsoft books and Google books. And it was a street that wasn't jammed with traffic in a way. And I think that was because at the time, Amazon was so secretive and Bezos had been personally unavailable to the press for a number of years since the dot-com bust. And I thought, okay, well, I covered this company for the New York Times and now it's disrupting book publishing and it seems much more interesting. I'll dive into that. And little did I know and really had no special foresight at all how interesting it was and how important it would be in our society, in our economy. And so that was the everything story. It was published in 2013. And then I thought, well, I'm proud of that book, but I'll move on to other things. And it just kept changing. And the Kindle company became the Alexa company and the marketplace became global and Amazon went into India and Amazon went into Hollywood and Bezos bought the Washington Post and he became a subject of tabloid fascination. And I thought, okay, this is now even more interesting. I need to write another volume. And of course, even while I was writing, a lot happened, including HQ2, the big controversial search for a second headquarters. Right, for sure. And AOC and her compatriots got involved in that one, right? Our audience here are interested in leadership and thinking back to the Everything Store, what did you take away about Bezos as a leader at that point? Because I imagine that's evolved too through time. But what would you say were the key characteristics of Bezos as a leader at that point? Well, let's start out by positing that he is obviously a tremendous leader, right? The value creation, the disruption of not just retail, but enterprise computing, book publishing, voice computing. It's a tremendous record of accomplishment. And maybe we could put it alongside Steve Jobs and maybe Bill Gates and the sheer kind of impact. And I do believe he will be remembered as a tremendous leader. I think that he has been remarkable in creating a system of invention that might perhaps endure when he's gone. And these are all of the the rituals inside Amazon, the six-page documents, which I write a lot about in the book, the biannual meetings, the leadership principles that are followed with almost religious fervor inside the company, like frugality and think big, disagree and commit. Some of those were taken from Silicon Valley best practices, Intel, for example, or Walmart, and others he kind of came up with and refined. So in that respect, also a kind of remarkable leader, really thinking about how he can build a company that lasts longer than he is around. But Gary, the last sort of element, I think, of the answer is he's pretty brutal, right? In a way that maybe is not an exemplar, but seems somewhat common in Silicon Valley. So I have stories in Amazon Unbound of him ripping up documents and throwing them down the table because there's a mathematical error or cutting an employee off at the knees. I do feel like in Amazon Unbound, I'm telling the story of him maturing as a leader, but that is something that both intimidated and maybe inspires some of his employees. It's been effective and yet in the wrong hands, copied by the wrong kind of leader probably can be counterproductive. As you read the book, certainly one of my takeaways was he is really a unique person, at least in my world. 
How does he stack up? You mentioned Jobs and Gates and others. How does he stack up with the other big tech founder CEOs in terms of just being a unique person? Well, he he's a singular figure. I think that in some respects, like if we're going to compare him, maybe Steve Jobs had more of a refined design sense, more of a completionist when it came to Apple products. Bezos is more technical, I think, than Jobs was. What's remarkable to me is his ability to dive deep in various disciplines. And so I tell the story in Amazon Unbound of Alexa, which is an idea that Jeff has, and he emails his executives about. And then I have the first drawing of Alexa on an Amazon whiteboard that he, in his own hand, and he also goes deep into these documents to understand the frontier of artificial intelligence, speech recognition, and then with the grocery store technologies, computer vision. I think it's unique. And in that respect, maybe we could compare him to Bill Gates, maybe to some extent to Mark Zuckerberg. And then you look at the Washington Post, which he has revived, really. We have to give him credit for that. And getting into the details of a media business, not the editorial details, but certainly the business plan and the operating details. And so, yeah, I think he's he's unique. And we'll look back and his visage will be chiseled into the Mount Rushmore of business leaders, I think, who have left a historic impact. I think I've heard you say that in terms of his legacy, you figured that he would want to be known as an innovator. Is that true? He has said that. In his last in- investor letter, he says, I consider myself an inventor. And my joke has been like Taylor Swift wants to be a songwriter, but the world sort of sees her as a performer and a singer. And Bezos, I think, wants to be seen as an inventor. And yet I think we'll consider him to be an empire builder, an operator, maybe a monopolist, perhaps a philanthropist, depending on the kind of legacy he leaves there. Thinking about the success of Amazon, you can be an innovator or you could be a leader, operator, using that term, or both. I guess in his case, he'd be both. Which do you think ultimately is the most important contributor to Amazon's success, being an innovator or being an operator? It's a really good question. So maybe tonight or later today in in the shower on the exercise bike, I'll change my mind. I'm going to say operator because I go back to 1995 when he opened an online bookstore and it wasn't the first online bookstore and he expanded into new product categories and it wasn't the first online retailer. And the difference was Bezos as an operator, his ability to focus on the customer, to seduce Wall Street, and to create a different kind of relationship with investors where they were willing to hold their nose in the lean years and in the profitless years. And the invention's been important, but the Kindle wasn't the first e-reader. It had elements that the other e-readers didn't. Alexa was unique. AWS is maybe the outlier because I think that really was revolutionary. But again, you know, Oracle and other companies had sort of elements of enterprise computing in the cloud. So Bezos, he crystallizes some things that are out there and brings them together. And in that respect, he's a tremendous innovator. But it's the operator and the strategic mastermind that evaluates a competitive landscape and navigates around it and bends it all to his will that I think is probably most responsible for the success. You make the point in the book that he's an avid reader and would talk about books with his staff. How important do you think that was to his success, the fact that he was so well-read? In the early years, tremendous. And and it's why in the Everything Store, the first book, I have an appendix of the the S-team reading list. And you can look at books like Good to Great or The Innovator's Dilemma 
or there was a book called, I'm going to forget its name. It was by Steve Grand, the video game designer that inspired the creation of AWS. And you really see it in the first book. I kind of try to draw connections between the books they were reading at the time and the big steps or the organizational changes that really led to Amazon's, particularly the revival in the first decade of the 2000s. And then in, in Amazon Unbound, I was looking for that again, and I had this idea, Gary, of doing another appendix, another Jeff's reading list, and I didn't find much. And I, I feel like maybe a little bit of the reading culture has lapsed there. The one exception is they all read a book by Mark Levinson called The Great A&P, and it was David Zapolsky, the chief lawyer at Amazon, that urged the leadership team to read it, not Jeff. And he thought that the antitrust struggles of the A&P supermarket in like the, the 1930s and 40s would be instructive because Amazon itself is moving into a phase of heightened regulatory scrutiny. So reading has been important. And I think you look at things like Alexa and a lot of Jeff's commitment to voice computing is because he's a Star Trek fan and a science fiction fan. So it has been really important over the arc of history. Of course, he's appointed Andy Jassy now as the new CEO. He's moved to executive chairman. And getting back to the question about innovator versus operator, you kind of wonder whether a new CEO is going to have that blend of operator and innovator in such a way that they can move Amazon forward at the pace that Jeff did? It's the key question. And Jassy, I do not get the sense, is an innovator. Certainly, AWS has been innovative, and so he has got technical people around him. But the reason why maybe it doesn't matter as much is because Bezos says he's going to remain in that invention role, and he'll be executive chairman. And it's not just the new ideas that are important, Gary. I mean, I think what, what I sort of learned researching Amazon Unbound is it's the sort of magic of the founder and not just the inspiration, but like the fear that he can inspire. And so when Bezos has a new idea, it might be a really interesting new technical feat, but it might be something silly. Like I tell the story of this thing called the single cow burger in Amazon Unbound. And Bezos propels that through the organization. He kind of breaks through the bureaucratic slush to make it happen. And that's the real magic, not just inventing new things, but sort of sponsoring them and making sure that the company invests what they need to invest and doesn't pull back and also then releases it in a very high profile the one more example I'll just quickly bring up was Siri with Apple and Jobs did sponsor it. He acquired the company. He introduced it in the iPhone 4S, I think. And then he passed away, unfortunately, the next day. And you kind of feel if you're an Apple user that Siri is a little bit of an orphan inside a big company, whereas Alexa still has the maniacal attention of the founder. And that might be the difference. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting because you could see that Jeff might come up with some creative idea, but not being the CEO, it might be a little bit more difficult for him to drive that through the organization. It'll be interesting to follow. That might be your next book, uh, Brad. <laughs> well, I think if he wants to, he'll still be able to drive it. The question is, will he be floating off in his yacht? Will he be flying to space? Will he be in Washington, D.C. or in Hollywood? It's more, I think, the distraction. Like, he'll still always pull a lot of water at, at Amazon, but how closely will he stick around is the question. Well, and you make the point, uh, quoted Jamie Dimon in the book, that he's more or less a, become a man of the world versus the earlier days. How do you see all of this pursuit of leisure activities, boat and so on, and 
his new friend, Lauren Sanchez. Is that just the kind of normal maturity of somebody or is this a change in Jeff? It's certainly a change. And that is one of the reasons why the book took me in unexpected ways. It wasn't just about the growth of a company. It ended up being a transformation of a person almost in front of our eyes, right? It's visibly apparent. And that that was partly focusing a little less on Amazon, buying the Washington Post, battling with the Trump administration so visibly, but also, I think, starting to enjoy some of the advantages of fame and extraordinary wealth. And I wouldn't have said that Jeff Bezos circa 1998 or certainly 2010 would have been a boat guy or a luxury car guy or buying, I can't even summon the number off the top of my head, an extraordinary property in LA, I think the biggest real estate deal in California history. And yet, clearly, he has not only stepped onto a larger stage in terms of the fame and attention and being the richest person in the world, but seems to be a little less obsessively focused on tuning the machinery of his business and enjoying the advantages that come with that lifestyle. This has been a terrific interview, Brad. As we wind down here, the way healthcare people look at Amazon and Bezos is a singular commitment to the consumer. And the healthcare organizations look somewhat enviously because they haven't been that good at it. Those of you in the tech world, and you in particular, as you've tracked Bezos and Amazon, was that really an important part of his success, this kind of preoccupation with the consumer? No doubt. It's easy to be cynical, particularly if you know, you're a journalist uh, like I am about that because you hear it from a lot of corners. Who will come out and say they are not focused on the customer? It almost feels like a cliche. And then, but then you look at some of the uneconomical things Amazon has done over the years, Prime being maybe a great example to say, we're going to figure it out and have sort of faith in our model, but we're going to reduce a customer pain point by delivering in two days. I actually have some examples in the book where I feel like they've maybe gotten away from the customer first principle advertising and the search engine being like a great example, they went for kind of the gold mine there instead of giving customers presumably what they would want, which would be the most useful search result. I'll just say, Gary, in in healthcare, Amazon views it as a major avenue of expansion. They've got this secret group called the Grand Challenge. The name kind of says it all inside the company. Bezos himself meets with them a couple of times a month And they're a fountain of new ideas. And in a very Amazon-like way, none of it really makes sense together. It's a jumble of ideas. They've got clinics, a telehealth service. They've got Alexa glasses and a wristwatch. And the idea is that the next story or chapter, hopefully not book uh, for my own sanity, and, and the Amazon story is going to be big new markets that create an impact. And healthcare is one of them. And I think they're committed to trying to do something uh, meaningful there. Well, we'll be following that 20% of the gross domestic products. So, you know, they have to be looking at healthcare, and we'd love it if you dig into that for an article or a book, because it should be interesting. Brad, thanks so much for spending the time with us. So shortly after you publish the Amazon Unbound, it's just a terrific book and you're great at what you do. So thanks for being with us. Thanks, Gary. I really appreciate it. I'm appreciative of you having me on the show. New episodes will debut every Thursday. Join me in conversations to gain advice and wisdom from CEOs, presidents, and healthcare experts. Healthcare leadership is hard work, but it becomes more manageable as we learn from the remarkable lives and careers of our guests. I'll see you there.